Podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding Do something uh, a bit different as we uh, launch into this uh, study. You can see the uh, the title: Cultivating a Heart for God's Purpose in the World. And we'll, we'll have that same title each week, but a different thing at, at the end of the column. First is vision, which you'll quickly see is God's glory. And then next week it'll be love and joy. And then finally, cultivating a heart for God's purpose in the world, prayer. So vision, love and joy, and prayer are basic topics on this uh, fundamental point of cultivating a heart for God's purpose. And Cultivating a heart is important here. Um, it, it's, it should come automatic in some ways, we think, uh, for us to have a heart for the world. It, it should come immediately as we taste of the goodness of Christ and as we trust in His promise that we naturally want to make Him known. But I think in our exploration of this, really this, this question is... Not just are we going to have a heart for the world, but do we have a heart for Jesus? You know, and maybe to explore in some ways, where are we broken in our heart for Jesus? What's missing in our heart for Jesus? And this morning, we're particularly, and, and we won't really leave this subject throughout the three weeks, but um, we're going to talk a lot about worship and how if we're not a worshiping people, if we're not doxological, if that doesn't make up our lives then we have no message to begin with. We have nothing to spread in this world uh, because we're spreading and making known to them the glory of God that we live by, that we taste, that sustains us, that nourishes us, that uh, brings us joy and peace, that ministers to us in the, in the great difficulties of life. A working, you might say a working knowledge of God's glory. Um, and apart from that, what do we have to give to anybody? Why should they listen to us if we don't have this tasting of God's goodness and glory that causes us to want to make it known in the world? Because there's no doubt, as we will see, that that is God's purpose in the world. That is His purpose. I'm struck with God's reaction to Moses when after the people turn away from going into the land in Numbers uh, 14, that um, God says, I've pardoned them. Okay, I've pardoned them. But he says, as truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of those who've seen my glory will inherit the king, the, the, uh, the land. But it's just so fascinating at this particular point. It comes out of nowhere where uh, Moses is asking that he would pardon the people, and God 
swears by, in a sense, his whole purpose in this world. The whole purpose of creating the world. And then in the light of man's sin, his whole purpose of recreating the world. But let it be known, the earth is going to be spread with the glory of the Lord. Now, we can either fall in with that purpose, not just signing on and saying, okay, I've got to. But eagerly, excitedly, you know, with astonishment and awe and joy, fall into the very purpose of God or not. So that's what this first uh, study has to do, cultivating his heart for God's purpose, his vision to make known his glory in the world. Uh, now, this is what's a bit different, is we're going to start by reading several passages. And if you don't have your Bible, you'll need to get that blue uh, book that is a Bible that's in the pew. You have the same page numbers as uh, I have here. And we'll start in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you don't know where that is, that's on page 966. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. Before I read, let us, let us pray. Lord, bless our reading and teaching of your word. Lord, may we embrace happily your glory, trust in your goodness, and make it known to a lost world in whatever way you call us to do. For Jesus' sake, amen. What I'd like for you to see in every one of these passages is how God's work in the church and for the sake of the gospel has as its ultimate goal His glory. Now, there's a little shorthand, I'm uh, just save turning there. In Romans chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, We've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith, obedience of faith among the nations, for the sake of His name among all the nations. That's why we have this apostleship. That's why we proclaim the gospel. To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His great name, to show forth what a great God He is among all the nations. That's what we're about. We should fall in line with that, that we want as well to uh, bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. And so you'll get a flavor of this in every one of these passages. 2 Corinthians 4.13, Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. See, the ultimate point of this spreading to more and more people is this vision that more and more people will be thankful to this great God, that they will recognize Him and embrace Him and praise Him so that God will be glorified. And, of course, we have to ask, is that, is that what's on my heart? But I want to encourage you to, to say, to think, God can bring that about in my life. He, he can make us all those kinds of people they have that heartthrob for His glory, His praise. 
It's the most liberating thing and uh, challenging, but the most liberating thing that can happen to a human heart is that we're fixed upon uh, the showing forth the greatness of God's glory, which is we're going to see uh, in the second point consists of his goodness in the main. That is, his goodness is shown in the main in the gospel. Uh, his, his gracious kindness in the world. That's the glory that is shown again and again. Okay, uh, next we turn to the very next book in the Bible, uh, Galatians. <clears throat> A little bit easier to find, perhaps. And this is uh, found on page 972. <clears throat> we'll begin reading with verse uh, 3. <clears throat> And notice the connection with salvation and glory. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Okay? So, delivered us from this present age so that we can now say to him be the glory that he has done such a thing, that he would give his son to die for us, that he would show such gracious kindness to us. In the very next letter in Ephesians chapter 1, page 976, if you're using the Pew Bible, beginning in verse 11, in him... We have obtained an inheritance. He's speaking about our heavenly inheritance, ultimately the new heavens and the new earth. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. That's the point. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. We see the praise of his glory is this greatness of God who would give us such an inheritance. The greatness of this God who would draw us to his Son. The greatness of this God who seals us with the Holy Spirit, who is our guarantee that we will acquire this inheritance. Oh, praise be the gracious kindness and the great power of this God who has done this for us. So, doxology or praise is the whole point of our life. It's the point of all of God's actions for us in Christ Jesus. The very next letter, Philippians chapter 1, verses Uh, 9 through 11, page 980. And I'm just giving you a tiny slice. I know already you're thinking, again, another passage? I'm just giving you a tiny slice of the passages that uh, talk about the glory of God in this way. Verse 9, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So our character that 
manifests itself in our relationship to one another and in our relationship with the world, this love that we uh, will abound in. This is to his glory and praise that he would bring us to that liberty, that he would set us free from ourselves, that he would make us people like himself. It's for his glory and praise that he would do such a kind thing to us who, who were fixed upon ourselves and living for ourselves. And finally, uh, 1 Timothy, we'll have to skip a few letters over. 1 Timothy chapter 1 on page uh, 989, verses 15 through 17. 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life, to the King of, King, uh, King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And of course, Paul breaks into this doxology. Uh, be honor and glory forever and ever because of his contemplation of what he's done in my life. To his name be praised. So, again and again in Scripture, the whole point of salvation is to bring more and more people into the praise and adoration of God. And so, adoration and praise becomes the foundation for why we even speak to others about Christ but it's also the goal to bring them into adoration with us. It's, it's like a, the invitation of the psalm, come and join with me in the praise of God. That's basically what we're saying to the world. Come, we have found the God that has made the world. We have found him in the person of Jesus Christ. He has revealed himself to us in this abundant love. And we invite you to come and worship and praise him with us. And so it's interesting, and I'll just read this one to you. And this ties in with that Romans 1 passage we began with, where it says uh, we have grace and apostleship so that his name might be made known among the nations. And this is a very short but very significant phrase in, of all places, Third John. Okay, Third John, just a few, 15 verses in the whole little letter. In verse 7, in talking about those who have gone out as missionaries, those who have gone forth to preach the word, he says, they have gone out for the sake of the name. Third John, verse 7. They have gone out for the sake of the name. Therefore, we ought to support people like these. Um, these are the kind of people to support because they have gone out for the sake of the name. I would put before you that unless we're like Paul and like those in Third John, going out and praying and giving and earnestly working and going in many cases or going at least locally uh, for the sake of the name, then we, we really don't have the heart of Scripture. We don't have the vision uh, because God is making His name uh, greater and greater in this world. And we have in the end of Philippians, uh, the great passage that speaks about Christ coming to earth in Philippians 2, it has as its apex, as I prayed earlier, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Father. So all of creation is headed to that final point. 
of the glory of God through Jesus Christ. So the, we, we miss the whole point of God's work in this world if we're not as well caught up in his glory and exulting in that glory and praising that glory to the world. Now, I'd like to quickly make the point, this is the first point, is that God's ultimate purpose is the spread of his glory. And obviously in every one of these passages, that's the ultimate end in view. And that's why Paul makes known the gospel. That's why they go forth in Third John, for the sake of the name, for the sake of the name. But his glory consists, especially in its manifestation of the gospel, of his goodness. The, the, the manifestation of his goodness, his love, his gracious kindness. Now, there's a whole uh, vein running in Scripture that he will be glorified in his wrath as well, that he will be glorified in everything that he does in the manifestation of his righteous judgment of the earth. He will be glorified as a God who is so pure and righteous and good that he will not, uh, he, he will not abide the wicked who refuse him. But the primary thrust, as it says in John 3, he did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He came in order to manifest the greatness of God's love uh, to the world. And so when we read in Exodus 33 that Moses asked to see God's glory, God immediately says, I will allow my goodness to pass before you. And as we've seen in uh, December he further enlarges on that to say, I'm the Lord great in loving kindness, great in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 23 is basically a constant praise to God's glory, though it doesn't mention glory. But the Lord is my shepherd. Think how great he is. He's my shepherd. Think how great he is. I don't lack anything. Think how great and glorious He is. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Think how amazing He is. He, he leads me beside still waters. Oh, He's so magnificent. He restores my soul. He's so unlimited. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You see, this is a constant praise of God, laying out the goodness of God in verse after verse after verse, line after line after line. And then to say goodness and mercy, and here the ESV follows the old King James in translating this word mercy, but it's that word steadfast love, hesed. Surely goodness and steadfast love will follow me all the days of my life, which is to say the glory of God will be manifested in my life. His goodness, His graciousness, His kindness... And the way his goodness, and this would be our, our third point. First, that God's ultimate purpose is the spread of his glory. His glory consists primarily in his goodness. For instance, in Psalm, in John 14, 13, Jesus says, anything that you ask in my name, I will do it for you so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. What is this but to say, Whatever you ask, whatever you have need of, whatever your needs are, I will meet those needs. I will pour out my goodness in your life so that the Father would be glorified in me. The Father is glorified by the goodness that He manifests to His people. 
And of course, this has as its great apex and centerpiece the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the, the manifestation that his, his love would have no boundaries, it would even mean the giving of his own son. And so he's making known, basically, in this world, through the gospel, the greatness of his kindness. And when you think, when you read of the God of Islam, the God of the Hindu, the God of uh, Buddha, and the stark contrast, the lack of any sort of kindness and love and sacrificial God that is manifested in Jesus Christ, it is just like the sweetest water that we're bringing to the world, that God is infinitely better and beyond anything that you could imagine. There is a goodness and gracious kindness in him that you can't fathom. And he wants us to make it known to you. And this third point is hopefully to help you and me lay hold of this goodness. Because I think one of the most critical things in our being involved in missions in a deeper way is that we are involved in the goodness of God, therefore His glory. But this goodness comes to us constantly in the Scripture through promise. So here's my end result application for you, is that you begin to root yourself more and more deeply in the promise of God's goodness to you. And that is one of the most critical things you can do to have a heart for missions. (laughs) that you are rooted in the goodness of God because you're rooted in the wonderful promises of God as they are found in Scripture. Let me read an interesting passage to you from Daniel Fuller. It was written one of the great books uh, ever, The Unity of the Bible. Uh, Piper puts it next to the Bible as the most important book in his life. But um, speaking of the phrase in... Matthew 6 and the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, okay? He says, something is hallowed or sanctified in our hearts to the extent that we place great value in it. That is, great value on His name. There is, however, no natural inclination in any of us to love and delight in God, and so we need continually to pray And get how he reads the name. Lord, enable me to value in my heart your name, which represents your integrity to keep your promises. And I want you to think about that. His name is his integrity to keep his promises. And think about God exalting his name in the earth, exalting it so that more and more people will find the God of integrity who keeps his promises, the God you can depend on, the God who is trustworthy, the God who is the rock, the God who is like the mountains that surround Jerusalem, as the psalmist says. Only when we regard God himself and his promises as of the greatest value will we truly acknowledge him in our hearts as Lord so that people will then ask us to explain the hope that we have. First Peter 3, that talks about, explain to me the hope. Well, your hope is that you have this greatest value of this name of this God who keeps all of His promises to you. 
who keeps all of His promises because His promises are made ultimately through Jesus Christ. Paul can summarize the whole of the Bible in this way. All of the promises of God find their yes in Him, that is, in Christ. It's his biblical theology. Here's the theology of the Bible. God comes to Abraham. What does he say? I promise. He comes to Jacob. He comes to, he comes to Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. He comes to the people of Israel. He comes to us in Christ Jesus with promise. He promises us forgiveness. He promises us transformation in all of our circumstances. He promises that He will attend us in all of our lives in the greatest difficulties. He promises us His sovereign kindness to work everything out in our life for the ultimate good of conforming us to His will. He promises us that we will have a deepening attachment to Him and dependence upon Him. He promises us an increasing liberty of worship to Him and love to others. He promises all of this. He comes to us as promise. And all of these promises are stamped absolutely true because He's given His Son. That's what Paul says. He says you can count on every promise of God because it has its stamp of authenticity, its guarantee in the blood of the Son of God. That's how true God is to His promise. And this, these prom, this promise, His integrity to uphold us has to be borne out in the great difficulties of life. And you can get this in a passage like Philippians 4, 6 and 7, where it says that uh, we're to make known our supplication to God with thanksgiving. I love that little phrase. There's this aspect of adoration. There's this aspect of trust of believing the promise of God, of gratefully receiving the promise of God so that the peace of God guards us in Christ Jesus, as Paul goes on to say. But it's a matter of laying hold of the goodness of this God and depending upon Him and all the promises He gives to us. That's why we would even obey Him because the promise of God is beyond the promise of sin. Nothing compares to the promise I have in Him as the song ends. Nothing compares to the promise that I have in in Him. He promises me a future. He promises me day-to-day attendance. He promises me a final new heavens and new earth. He promises me relief in that last day. The removal of the curse and brokenness and the removal of of sin and, and, and disease from my life. He promises all of this. And so these are the things that enable us to give ourselves to Him in the midst of difficulty because we depend upon promise. It's what, why we obey Him, because we trust in His promise. It even enables us then to sacrifice for Him and to suffer for Him because He's promised. He's promised. And, and Paul, when he's laying out for us the, the paradigm of believing in Jesus, the paradigm, he puts... Uh, He puts Abraham before us. And and look how glory and promise are bound up together in this passage in Romans 4. He says, no distrust made... And by the way, the context is Abraham being told that he can have a child when he's 100 years old. And his wife's 90. Not good chances, humanly speaking. 
right? It's not going to happen, humanly speaking. But, in, but he still heard this promise of God that, that was coming to him in spite of his age and the weakness of his body. So in that context, Paul says, No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Love that. He gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's how we give glory to God. That's how we exalt Him before the nations is that we depend upon Him in our day-to-day lives. We depend upon Him in difficulty. We depend upon Him and trust Him and so we obey. We sacrifice and we suffer because we love His glory. We love His goodness. We're tasting His goodness and His kindness. And as an exercise... To close, I would suggest uh, something like this. And, and, and you, you probably have, many of you, your own plan for getting through the Scripture. But I'm going to throw out another one for those of you who perhaps don't. But it is in the mornings to, and this coincides some with a little paper I wrote on uh, dev- uh, having devotions. But in the morning to soak yourself in the Psalms. 15 minutes of reading Psalms, writing some notes, finding promises, remembering promises, memorizing some promises, loading your life with promises, being equipped with promises so that you begin to taste and depend upon Him in new ways and you take all of these promises as as coming to you and meant for you. And then in the evenings before bed to spend another 10 minutes for, say, the first half of the year, reading the Gospels, being soaked in the person of Jesus. And then the second half of the year, reading the epistles, soaked in Paul's testimony about Jesus. Psalms and Gospels and Psalms and epistles. Sometimes this can form a great foundation. And then once or twice a month, take an hour or two and start reading the history of, of, of the Scriptures. But to be soaked, soaked in these this engagement of the psalmist struggling to enter into faith and to trust God in the midst of great difficulties and resounding praises to God that occur again and again in the psalms. But this is the, it, it's in the context of praise and worship of the psalms that these great statements are made again and again he says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. As we began our service with uh, Psalm, uh, we'll end our service with Psalm 67, that, uh, that he bless us so that the world might know God. So the more we're caught up in the worship of God, the more we adore his goodness and greatness and treasure him and are delighted in him because we're depending more and more and more upon his promise the more we will be people so equipped to make known the gospel. Because we will live through difficulty and be able to tell people, this is what my relationship to God has done in my life. This is how it's changed my approach to relationships. This is how it's changed me and my work. It's how it's changed my view of the world. May we be equipped to spread His glory, the glory of His goodness and kindness that has come through us through the great promises. That's why, as you know, I love that phrase in Second Peter, 
where he, he speaks of the great and precious promises of God by which we partake of the divine nature. It's that here's God. How are we going to fellowship with him? He puts his promises out there and says, have at me, have at me, embrace me, haste me, fellowship with me, depend upon me, worship me, adore me, adore me. Everything is found in him in promise. That is our God. That's the God that we get to make known to the world. A God of promise. Let us pray. Lord, may we come a part of telling the nations of your glory, telling the nations of the greatness of your kindness, of your love for mankind in Christ Jesus, of what your love has meant in our own lives, how your promises sustain us, and holding those promises out to others that they may believe in the gracious work of Jesus Christ to their salvation and their joy. O Lord, exalt your name in the earth. Exalt your name in our lives, Lord, that we may in turn desire with great joy, with peace and rest, and a deep satisfaction in you to speak to others, to work, to go, to pray, to be world-class Christians because we long for the glory of God to be spread throughout the earth. Bless us, Lord. We confess how far from this we fall, myself included. We confess to you that we're bent in on ourselves still after so much work of your Spirit. But we are encouraged that the work you began in us, you will complete to the day of Christ Jesus. And part of that work must be that you will make us to fall in line with your purpose, to make known your glory in the world. Bring us into that joy, O Lord, according to your promise, according to what you said you would do in our lives. Make us those Christians who long for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful rain, break radiant through the shades of night and chase my fears away won't you chase my fears away